We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how we doing? Holy hell, we're going to talk about basketball. Yes, and it's positive. The vibes are way up on the podcast. I've been looking forward to recording these days, but we're going to jump into good news and basketball and plenty of stuff. But make sure you find the buzz on all streaming platforms. Jack, where do you want to start? Nick, we'll start with our guest, some Kevin Durant stuff. I promise it won't be any much longer for our, for our listeners. But for those that are enjoying it, this is going to be a bit more of a fun discussion because there were some key questions on ESPN. And these are the main ones. And we'll go back and forth with this one, Nick. First one I will put to you. What is your biggest takeaway from KD deciding to stay in Brooklyn? Yeah, my biggest takeaway, I think, is the Nets going from being a potential disaster and having a wasted season with KD holding out or getting a bad trade return to now being back in potentially championship contention. I think just looking at it straight from the basketball side, you know, it went from being potentially really bad, the Nets having kind of an unknown future to at least for this season, having the capability to put a team on the floor that could potentially win a championship. There's still moves that need to be made. Guys need to build that chemistry and be healthy, but there are there is a level of structure to the team. No, and you know, looking at from the purely basketball side of things, Nick, you know, I think that I've, we've said that a lot that you know Kevin Durant leaving. You know, I've been called a Kevin Durant stan. I've been called a, a <laughs> Nets hater. You know, there's been some reviews uh, on, on on Apple Podcasts that aren't too flattering towards me. Maybe we need to hire a new podcaster. Maybe we need to trade me out. Maybe I'll have to make a trade request. But in saying that, I think the biggest takeaway is that you know the, the Nets are going to be some form of a contender. We could still see a repeat of this chaos go throughout the season. You know, We know what Kevin Durant is like. But I do think that another big takeaway from it all is that the Nets standing firm worked. And yeah. we, we didn't necessarily think that that would be the case. You know, you could look back on the James Harden saga and his similar techniques to force his way out of Brooklyn. Maybe Joe Sy, Sean Marks, and the Nets are like, maybe we should have stead, uh, stood a little bit firmer throughout that process and sort of righted it out. They've written this one out for, you know, nearly two months. And ultimately, it's played into probably the benefit of the Nets overall. They get a little bit more of that control that they want. You know, Kevin Durant doesn't get to sort of, you know, fire who he wants to fire, even though some of those people should be fired. But I think you could say a takeaway from that is that 
Sean Marks and Joe Sy have created some leverage for themselves, whether you agree with it or not. And I agree with some of it. I don't agree with uh, other parts of it. Yeah, I mean, they took a giant risk and it played out in their favor. You know, we talked about it, you know, from the Kyrie negotiation to, you know, the reporting around Kyrie and Katie potentially leaving and Joe Sy willing to see that happen. They, you know, stood stood firm, like you said. And not to say it, it's the most ideal decision that they made, but they essentially came away with the result that they probably had hoped for. Obviously, they didn't hope that Kevin Durant would get upset, but if they can you know, manage that relationship and hopefully heal it moving forward and maybe some good things happen to that meeting, they could feel that they're in a better position this season than they were last season, especially from ownership and front office type stuff. Definitely. We'll see how it all plays out. Sean Marks has to fill out the rest of the roster. Yep. Who is it going to be? We'll have a, a little bit of discussion about that if we have some time. But I'll move on to question number two for you, Nick. The biggest loser in the Kevin Durant saga is blank. Yeah, I think it's the rest of the teams that are competing for a championship. Now you just added another potential competitor. Uh, and not to say that the Nets are favorites or anything like that, but they do have the potential to knock somebody out or give them an extremely difficult seven-game series. And now all of a sudden your chances at a championship just lessened a little bit. So I think they're probably the biggest losers, especially because a few of them were included in trade talks. You know, if Boston had landed Kevin Durant for the potential offer we're going to talk about later they would be clear-cut favorites by a large margin. So I think that realm of contenders now has to deal with the Nets, and they lost the opportunity to potentially not seal a championship, but make themselves heavy, heavy favorites. Yeah, you could make an argument as well that possibly this saga has created a level of discontent around, around Philadelphia, around Boston, around yep. Toronto, around Phoenix, around those sort of teams where it's just like, Okay, does Jalen Brown, is he going to sign a long-term extension in Boston or is he going to want out? You know, what's going to happen with OG Ananobi and whoever else is up there in Toronto? Uh, the role players with Tobias Harris, uh, Tyrese Maxey and those sort of guys that were rumored. You know, we saw James Harden hanging out with Kevin Durant. So you could say that that is a similar fallout and a yeah. similar winner for, for the Nets is that some of their rivals, despite the fact that Kevin Durant is staying and, and solidifying himself with the, the Nets, hopefully long-term, as we've heard uh, of reports from Brian Lewis and others, you, you, the discontent could be there. You know, it could be 40 chess happening from Sean Marks uh, and and Joe side but I think that some of their leverage play, their media stuff, ended up coming to somewhat positive fruition. But as we'll talk about with the, the Celtics off, I think a lot of them... I think a lot of those organizations are stable enough to be able to go, look, come on, mate. We, we know what's going on here. Jalen Brown's been in 40 million trade conversations for Anthony Davis, Kyle and everyone else in between. I think he knows where he stands. But, you know, we don't necessarily know that. We don't know the behind the scenes of, of other teams as, as much as we do the the one that we we happen to cover. Yeah, Jack. And just two more minor losers. You know, I think you look at the Houston Rockets as a team, obviously hoping the Nets would trade KD, those draft picks would improve, and then probably the Lakers because if KD was traded – Obviously, Kyrie would be more likely to be traded, and the Lakers were obviously. But a team Pat Beverly, Nick. But Pat Beverly. <laughs> yeah, blame KD. <laughs> blame KD. Uh, he, uh, that's certainly what he did it's about getting a job. Now he's got a job in in Lakerland, and you know he could be kicking out his worst enemy, mortal enemy, in Russell Westbrook. But that's for some Laker pods that you'll find on the Blue Wire Network. I, I'll also put in there, Nick, that Kevin Durant is somewhat of a loser in all yeah. this. I think that the way that he handled this, and in parts, reflects poorly on him. Now, it might be surprising for people to hear me say that, given <laughs> I've, I've been a bit of a stan of Kevin Durant, but I think that 
given the fact that he pushed and pushed and pushed so much, and now he's had to go, all right, I've changed my mind. You know, there's nothing really out there for me. The grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass is, is pretty goddamn good here with my, my bestie Kyrie Irving here in Brooklyn. Does that we've spoken about like legacy sort of talk and you know Kevin around and his his character and all that sort of thing. You know, as a as the whole fallout from it, a lot of people on the ESPN article did say that Kevin Rand was the biggest loser in this. I think that we've tackled it from a more objective standpoint, but I do think it's worth pointing out that Kevin Rand throughout all this, you know, you could make an argument that he might be one of the bigger losers also. Yeah, I think you could say, you know, to an extent, his credibility in terms of some people's eyes, in terms of leading a team and kind of willing to bail out. And then I think from the perspective of, does he truly not want to play in Brooklyn? And if that's the case, then he lost because he's still playing here. You know what I mean? So I think to an extent that's on the table. And if he's not happy, then he's obviously a loser. But I think in the reason I didn't instantly go to him, because I think from one perspective, he's a winner, because I think the Nets are likely giving him they're the best option to win a championship. You know, we could talk about the potential offers that are on the table, but the Nets were never going to accept any of those. So for the most part, it seemed that any team that did make the trade for KD was going to probably be around the same level that this Nets team is right now without the assets to improve because the Nets can still make a few trades and add some quality players. Yeah, I mean, he likes the throwbacks too, you know, on his Instagram. <laughs> yeah. and he, he's enjoying them. We're, we're a big fan of them. We had a discussion of them on, on previous pods, and you know, it's been announced now, and they are going to look spectacular. And I'm going to be purchasing some form of fashion, uh, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, maybe even Ben Simmons, Patty Mills, and Joe Harris. A lot of my money is probably going to go towards <laughs> some of those things. But We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In in saying that, Nick, instead of doing this fact or fiction, I'm not sure if you remember your appearance on the JBT, long live the JBT podcast with my other brethren. Do you remember the JBT um, music Manuel scale? 
I vaguely remember it. If you say the terms, I'll remember. I know it's like Wikipedia fact. Yeah, you're there, mate. You're there, you're there. So I will recap it and bring in maybe some JBT listeners for me, and I might have to allude to my other Nick favorite uh, of us bringing it back on the Brooklyn Buzz. So the JBT Music Manuel scale is this. Twitter fact, Wikipedia fact, or straight up fact. So Twitter fact is like, you know, it doesn't really have a lot of credence. Wikipedia fact is, you know, it's kind of, you know, you, you go on Wikipedia for something, and straight up fact is just you, you lock it in. Alternative fact means it's just not going to happen either. It's a, it's just absolute fiction. So in saying that, on the Music Manuel scale, Nick, KD will spend all four years of his remaining contract as a Brooklyn Net. I'm really happy you brought the scale in for this because this Cause is, you can't go one way or the other. Yeah, it, yeah. It's nuance. We like nuance on the Brooklyn buzz. Yeah. I think it's a Wikipedia fact. You know, there's some credence to it, but at the same time you could see it not coming to fruition. You could see him being traded, you know, later in the deal. Obviously there's always a possibility of this season, but you could see something down the line. But I also think that there's still a decent chance if things work out well this year, that he's here for the, the rest of the contract. I could make an argument that, it's closer to being a Twitter or alternative fact than it is to being a straight up fact because yeah. there's, there's so much unknown with Kevin Durant, the guy, the personality and such. So I think it's close. You can make a, a really credible argument that it might be closer to a Twitter fact, Nick, but you know, we could see things change and I'm eating my words and eating the humble pie that I've talked about on, on so many different occasions with Ben Simmons. And this is a straight up fact. Kevin Durant st- stays with Brooklyn long term and retires Brooklyn. That, that is the ultimate be all and end all. But I think Twitter, Wikipedia, around that sort of range, it's it's not a fact, it's not fiction, but it's somewhere in between. But I'll give you the Music Manuel scale again with this one, Nick. And we'll go to his, his best friend, Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving will be with the Nets after the 2023 February trade deadline. Yeah, I think that's a straight-up fact. You know, I think the Nets are very set on, quote-unquote, running it back this season and then maybe... Well, re- I just want to ask you about that, Nick. What has changed suddenly... For Kyrie Irving to now be the apple of Joe Sy and Sean Mark's eye, because we heard and we saw, we reported plenty of it about them essentially going, "Yeah, you find a trade, if you can find one, you're out of here." But now he's opted in for for this one year. Now suddenly, you know, the Nets are and Shams is reporting that they that they want him long term and not long term, but they want him to be a Brooklyn Net for the entire season. What has changed? Has anything changed, or is it just? Now that the Nets know, okay, well, the, the Lakers are out of it because they're training for Beverly and Buddy Hield and whoever else, Kyrie Irving's not got, got no other destination to, to really sort of find. Yeah, I think you could look at it from that way of maintaining leverage if there was potentially another offer down the line. But I think it's more so the fact is, like, as soon as the KD stuff became apparent that he wasn't leaving and that there weren't great trade offers, they understood keeping him in Brooklyn and keeping him happy. Kyrie is a big part of that, especially if Kyrie was going to buy in and be this, you know, ideal player for the Brooklyn Nets, like you talked about setting up practices with teammates, you know, telling the Nets and communicating with them on different facets. Now, I, I think also Kyrie probably had a level of realization, you know, this offseason didn't go well for him. He didn't get those offers. There weren't sign and trades coming in. So he realized that he needed to step up and probably take some level of accountability. And if you get an accountable Kyrie Irving, I mean, that's that's the best version of him. You know what I mean? Like he's he's coming in, doing his job every day, and he's one of the best basketball players in the world. You know, this is a top 15 talent, top 10 when he's super locked in. So, I mean, I think there's uh, just a combination of both sides and understanding what's going on. Yeah, but some people say he's like an MVP contender. I wouldn't buy into <laughs> that by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But Especially with Durant still on the team. I just I don't <laughs> No, exactly. And I've... 
I think in in seasons past, you know, when we used to work, when I used to work for OTG Basketball back when he's on Boston. You know, I made a credible argument for him being a possible MVP contender leading the Boston Celtics. Obviously, that didn't you know lead to fruition. You know, if you want plenty of like old takes you want to throw in my face, go to OTGBasketball.com archives. Plenty to throw in my face there. But focusing on Kyrie Irving here, I think that. My ideal scenario, Nick, I'm not sure what yours is, is that in this offseason, Corey Irving gets a three-year extension, and that aligns with Kevin Durant. That was my ideal scenario before this all happened. Kevin Durant is likely sticking around in large part because his best friend is still there. And I think that a line, if Kyrie Irving has a good season, three years is a fair extension, max max extension, whatever it might be, could be incentive laden, rather than just going, okay, let's do this song and dance again and this leveraging back and forth. I think that that makes the most sense. I don't know if that's how it will play out because at times, Sean Marks and Joe Sy have been too stubborn. In this case, you know, obviously when it comes to coming around, has been in, in a positive fashion. But that's for me what the ideal is. Kyrie hasn't. 50-40-90 season, all-NBA third team or, or at least around that sort of mark, and we offer him what he deserves. And, you know, there's little nitty-gritty stuff in there that was similar to, like, the DeAndre Jordan sort of deal that allowed him to come to Brooklyn when they first arrived. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that deal could happen during the season. He could sign an extension after a couple months, starts playing really well. The vibes How are likely great. do you think that could happen, Nick? Do you think that there is any any semblance of likelihood that we could see an extension? And when does... It could happen all season, can't it? Yeah, it could happen, I think, at any point during the year. So I think it's not likely, but it's a possibility, especially if the team were to do really well. I think of just like, oh, the vibes are so well. The team is 30 and, you know, eight or something like that and just playing amazing basketball and everyone's really happy what's going on. You know, you're a couple months into the season. I think it's a possibility, especially if it's the amount of years that Kyrie wants. I think if it's obviously the max amount of money and the years match up with Katie, I think Kyrie would be pretty happy with that deal. No doubt. No doubt. He, I'm hoping we get the, the best version of Kyrie and then the best version of the Brooklyn Nets franchise going forward. Finishing off, Nick, uh, on the general sort of chat about the Kevin Durant stuff, from Sham Sarania, the best offer I'm told that the Nets had on the table was from the Celtics, Jalen Brown, Derek White, and a first-round pick. Now, I think that this is a leak from someone within the Nets organization trying to show a bit of discontent within Boston, a little bit of like a you know a, a firing shot on the way out, and seems like you know Jalen Brown, you know, he he bites and that's like, oh okay, this was actually on the table, even though Brad Stevens might say it wasn't. Obviously, you know we can chat about that for for days and days on end. But do you think that the Nets should have accepted this offer? Was it a fair deal? This was the one that was reported initially, and the Nets weren't happy with it. They wanted Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, and and a couple extra first. So I personally think that this deal is not commensurate to the level of play that Kevin Durant is, and I'm surprised that, you know, that I'm not surprised that they didn't take it. Yeah, I'm not surprised at all. This would be a bad trade for the Nets to accept this deal. I think you could look at it, too, from the perspective of the Nets leaked it to make it look like, hey, their offers weren't out there. You know, this was the best situation for us. And it also, you know, is the best situation for Kevin Durant because there there weren't necessarily these deals on the table. I think the reason this was, quote unquote, the best offer was because nothing ever got super serious. You know, if you got serious, that's when you're more likely to actually offer your best deals. You know, a lot of times when teams are calling in, they're they're starting at the bare minimum to try to build up and negotiate. So I'm not surprised there there wasn't any great offers because it doesn't feel like any conversation really got that deep. 
let's thank Rudy Gobert in, in, <laughs> in some form or fashion. Who knows? Maybe he was the, the big reason the Nets were able to keep him. The, keep Kevin Durant, you know, the guy that we want to be with this team for as long as possible because he gives us the best chance at winning what all fans want, and that's the Larry OB. But to win the Larry OB, Nick, the Nets still need to have a couple of roster spots, some two-way, some exhibit tans, and, and some actual roster spots as well. So there's not a lot left on the table. But we've heard some mini rumors, including from our guy, Chris Mulholland and Nets Daily, saying that the Nets are interested in Mark Keith Morris. We heard some reporting from Mike Scotto about Tristan Thompson, who I'm less enthused about. And then there's always going to be the DeMarcus Cousins and the Carmelo Anthony talk. In terms of the prototype of player that matters most right now, Nick, is it you know the, the, the small ball? Is it just the, the five that can space the floor next to Ben Simmons? Is it another wing guy? Or is it just the best talent available? Where do you sort of stand with that? Yeah, I think right now you instantly look at and the Nets need uh, another center for this roster. You know, some level of veteran center. I think on Twitter you have heard people mention of Cody Zeller being someone that's been thrown around as a vet minimum guy. It's been banged up the last couple of years as well. Like you said, DeMarcus Cousins, Tristan Thompson, which I think Tristan Thompson would make little little sense especially because the nets are supposed to be getting away from drama like it seems what, like that <laughs> and but you can make the same argument for demarcus cousins as well nick you know and I, i'm sure i'll get plenty of news from my from my partner if it comes to tristan thompson because she knows a lot about his behind the scenes and extracurriculars uh, given you know her, her fandom of, of of the kardashians and chloe and stuff but i think that maybe this tristan drop could be something to be like and same with mark keith because both of those, uh, Tristan, in, in much stronger sense, have ties to Kyrie Irving, and yeah. in a lot of the, in the past, we've seen a lot of appeasing towards Kevin Durant and the players that he wants. Markeith Morris, I believe he played with Kyrie Irving in Boston, and those two had a had pretty good rapport, if I'm not mistaken, Nick. I actually think he played with Marcus Morris. I- Marcus Morris, but then they're like, it's like you're getting. Me and some other Australian with a weird accent who doesn't like Joe Sai mixed up. You know, we're just a, a, a dime and a dozen. But in, in saying that, who But who I actually you do think he has a relationship with Markeith Morris for some reason. Okay. In, in, in saying all that, the names that we've sort of brought up, obviously, Kamala, I've put on my timeline on my Twitter, you know, who would you prefer, Kamala Anthony or Mark Heath Morris? A lot of people are saying Mark Heath after the whole Nicole Jokic situation and him being out for 40 million days with a neck injury. A lot of people love Melo given his ties to, to Syracuse and the, and the New York, you know, the market in general. In Where do we stand with all of this, Nick? You know, how much does it matter as well? Because I think if you're looking at the prototype of a DeMarcus Cousins, a floor spacing big, that's what you want. And he played okay in Denver, but I heard things behind the scenes from other podcasts and stuff saying that he wore out his welcome in terms of you know the personality stuff and the volatility there. But he also does have pretty strong ties to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving given their time together at Team USA. So as does Kamal Anthony, you know, it's maybe now we see one of these signings because we get some leeway from Sean Marks and Joe Sider go, okay, let's sign one of their buddies because we fired Kevin Durant's their favorite assistant coach. We don't have Ty Lue as our head coach, who's a, a guy that's strong ties with Kyrie Irving. Where do you stand with the way that the roster is right now? What are you prioritizing? Which guys uh, are you going to throw You know, the vet minimum at and maybe a little bit of that taxpayer MLE or, or something like that? Yeah, I think, like I said, the center is definitely the most important position. I don't know if you go with one of those three guys we mentioned in Zeller, uh, Thompson, and Cousins, or you look to maybe make a minor trade. If not, I think you could easily kind of talk yourself into DeMarcus Cousins because of, like you said, the floor spacing. And then defensively, maybe you can get you know covered up by some other guys. And obviously last year, he kind of 
bought into his role a little bit more than previous seasons, especially as that backup big. And he could have that occasional big game. But I think if you go with DeMarcus, that makes you more likely to go with Markeith at the other spot. You know, let's just say you're going to get a four and you're going to get a five. Because I think Melo would be more of that scoring and that playmaking that you're getting from DeMarcus Cousins. Obviously, they're not the same player, but they're both pretty poor defensively, where if you went with Melo, you'd probably want to get someone who's a little bit more defensive-minded for that five position. And, you know, Tristan Thompson and Cody Zeller aren't necessarily great centers either, so it, it, that's where it gets a little complicated. I think I'd probably go uh, Markeith Morris and DeMarcus Cousins. I think um, you can look at Markeith, too, for a couple reasons. One, he's been a role player. He gives you a little bit of toughness, you know, solid defensively in the right matchups, but he also can play some small ball five. And it allows the Nets, if they want to really buy into the style of playing switchable forwards, you know, with Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, um, Kessler Edwards, TJ Warren, and then potentially Markeith Morris. You know, that's a lot of switchable guys and you can kind of play your same system. So that'd be something to consider. And then with Cousins, he gives you a completely different skill set than your other two centers. He does. Uh, I think that the the spacing, you know, last season overall in his time, 48 games with Milwaukee and Denver, only finished up with, you know, 30.3% from the three-point arc on 2.5 attempts. Whereas the, the season before, where he played a little bit of time with the Clippers, as well as Houston, around 35%. So I think the notion that he's a spacing big, I think he can have he'd be a bit of a flash in the pan. I think that you know, Thomas Bryant or you know Mike Muscal, these guys are you know, probably better versions of DeMarcus Cousins. But if you're sort of filling out the the lower end of the roster, you might be looking at guys who can provide a little bit of leadership behind the scenes as well. And that's where you can maybe make an argument for Carmelo Anthony because yeah. of his his history in the NBA, his history with Team USA. And if it's just going to be a guy that's not going to really play many minutes, he's not really going to go out there. You know, he's going to be. Jeff Green, light, 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 skim version. You know, he's not really going to be out there for you know true minutes when it does matter. Then maybe you just want a guy that's going to you know hold guys accountable in certain ways, and and maybe that is a Kamal Anthony. Markeith Morris might be that guy, but I've heard people calling him just like a James Johnson replacement. I'm already thinking about. Yeah, you know, I the... think that's just a bad comparison. I think uh, Markeith Morris has had more success in the last couple of years. Like he was part of the championship Lakers. Uh, James Johnson really hadn't been effective since he left Miami, you know? So, and I also think Markeith has been more of a role player and he's, he's not going to try to dribble the ball and take touches away from Kevin Durant, but getting to the mellow point you brought up, Jack, I think another way you could talk yourself into mellow as well is, you know, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving's down. You need someone to kind of step up and pick up some of the scoring load when someone's taking a night off or something like that. Mellow can pick up a bigger offensive load, you know, every here and there. You know what I mean? It's not like it's it's you're counting on him nightly to score 20. But if it's on occasion to drop 15 or 20 points, he could probably do that for you off the bench. So Markeith, uh, Carmelo, DeMarcus Cousins, some of the other centers we mentioned, I think at this point in time, you're just making sure that you can add not quality players, but players that can contribute in some way to your team for the entire regular season. I think at this point in time, you're probably not going to get anybody that you want to play in the playoffs but there's going to be minutes that need to be filled during the regular season. And really that backup center role needs to be filled in general, unless the Nets have something really creative to do. Yeah. And I mean, look, the, the backup center role, whether it's Cody Zeller, like you're taking a chance on Daron Sharp, 
you know, Ben Simmons, we can discuss this a little bit. We've got a bit of time. There's been reports of Ben Simmons playing some legitimate time at center. I did a little bit of research, and I might bring out that research if we have time here, but I want to keep the focus on Markeith Morris, Mello, DeMarcus Cousins, Cody Zeller, and maybe some of these other names that we haven't totally discussed and, and, and could be worth discussing. And we might have to get you guys to, uh, whether you're part of our Brooklyn Buzz Twitter page or if you want to hit us up in the DMs, hit us up with some names, and we can have a discussion about them. But on Mello, heading into his age 38 season, but as you alluded to, Nick, last season averaged th- over 13 points. 13.4 points before that. 15.4 points in, in 19, 20 in Portland as well. So he can still get a bucket, you know. And he, you know, he's played 69 games last year, 69 games before that, 58 games in, in the regular season before that. Whereas Markeith Morris only played 17 last year. Played 61 before that, but then only had 58 before that. So it's just like... Uh, some people are questioning with the market Morris coming off an injury. You know, are there question marks about that? I think you're better off banking on an age 33 market Morris because what he did, you know, with the championship Lakers, I thought was pretty positive. I think he's got, I think last year was probably more of an aberration than anything. I think he's got some stretchability in, in, in a sense to him. You know, he hasn't, he's never shot, you know, above 36%, 38% from three. And um, that was in 19. He's a 20. league average three point shooter. That's what I would he, call him. Yeah, he's league average. And, and maybe that's a little bit better when you've got the spacing of Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, and Joe Harris, Seth Curry, Patty Mills, and these sort of guys. And it goes up to, you know, that 36, 37% sort of range. So I'd probably go with Marquise Morris as a player. But Kamala Anthony, I can't help but think that, you know, just to have a, a guy behind the scenes to keep the guys in check, just be there along the way, a sort of a proxy assistant coach, a, a voice between maybe Steve Nash and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I think that that sort of faux Jeff Green role was really important in that 2020-21 season. And obviously Jeff Green was tremendous in his play as well, but we don't have that anymore. And I think that, you know, having guys, leadership sort of guys. I'm not talking like Jared Dudley sort of guys because those guys aren't necessarily really out there. But you sort of look, you know, is LaMarcus Aldridge going to be that guy? No, because he's not really the sort of vocal sort of leader. He's got this similar sort of personality, low-key demeanor that a, a Kevin Durant sort of has. So, look, I, I'd probably maybe rather have LaMarcus Aldridge back than, De, than DeMarcus Cousins. You know, and, and I you think know, that I LaMarcus Aldridge, to be honest, I think that his body just might be shot because we, we, we didn't see him after he returned from injury. And I just I think it was a hip injury. And that's uh, an injury that he's had for some time. I would rather have Blake Griffin, though, Nick, out of all, out of uh, out of DeMarcus Cousins, LaMarcus Aldridge. And we're not doing a visual platform, but Nick was a little bit surprised by my saying that. But you know, I, I'm not that surprised. I just like didn't really think about it. But yeah, it makes sense. I don't think Blake would come back because of what happened last season unless there was some type of, you know, guarantee well, of well, Durant... playing time. Yeah, I mean, well, if Kevin Durant could come back after everything that happened, Nick, then Blake Griffin might be able to as well because, you know, there might not be a heap of teams out there, you know, offering Blake Griffin, you know, any semblance of playing time. But we saw Blake Griffin in the spurts. You know, we, we loved, you know, that, that game four sort of performance. He went out there, gave us a bit of grit and stuff. I just think that he'd be, you know, he as good as, if not better than DeMarcus Cousins, you know. It was yeah, I mean, years. I think that's pretty pretty fair in terms of those two players in terms of where they're at in their career. And and it's just it's as you alluded to is is he willing to come back? Has have the bridges been too burned along the way, or is there some form of mending that could happen with him and the franchise? I certainly hope that there is because I think Blake's got a little bit to give, and you know I know that him going over thirteen is going to frustrate <laughs> the hell out of me from three over the first three games. But then you know 
you don't know what you got till it's gone sometimes. And you got to judge the the whole picture. And his whole picture as a Brooklyn Net, I think it's been a pretty positive sort of tenure. Obviously, we, we got the peaks and the highs of you know, uh, dunking on Giannis and locking him, not locking him down, but you know, nullifying him to some extent. So I hope that Sean Marks and Steve Nash and Joe Sy are willing to swallow a little bit of their pride a little bit when it comes to Blake Griffin and go, hey, you are our option here. We want you back. We we know what, we, what you know, Steve Nash w- was a little bit of a fool for not playing more of, of Blake Griffin in, in that postseason. So I give me Blake over all those guys, Nick. Yeah, I think a lot of it too, though, is like if Blake wants to come back. But I, I agree. I think defensively, Blake plays more of a style than, you know, that fits the Nets rather than the other guys, unless they're going to drastically change their scheme. I think what was there? There's so many reports that Steve Nash is supposed to make some adjustments to his scheme or something like that. But we'll see. We'll see what happens when that actually comes to fruition on the court. But it is interesting. And, you know, I, I've heard the idea that maybe the Nets could talk themselves in the going with just signing, you know, Markeith Morris and Carmelo Anthony and playing those guys as like small ball fives and just kind of playing small the time. And Why then not? You, you have the big body, you have Dayron, you go into the season knowing you need to make a trade at the deadline. You know, what is it, December 15th, you'll have a lot of guys available to trade. You know, maybe you upgrade Claxton, maybe you move Patty Mills, maybe, you know, one of the guys that signed a contract like Mo Bamba is available. So I think there's a lot of different options. I don't think you want to make a rash move right now of the right moves on the table. Just give yourself flexibility and use it as almost an opportunity to try these guys out moving forward. Yeah, no, I think that that is a perfectly plausible scenario as well. I, I wouldn't hate, you know, just getting Keith and, and, and Mello either. But I think that there needs to be, uh, as long as it's not, I think we both are in agreement that Tristan Thompson should not be on this team. And, and I very much hope that he isn't. I, given... I mean, after I saw that video of him missing like eight layups in a row, warming up for the Bulls last year, I, I just can't say I'd have much hope in him. And then just like even seeing him not be effective against the Nets two postseasons ago when they were very small. You know, he could have eaten on the boards and he didn't do that defensively. He's not the same guy where I think like DeMarcus has his flaws defensively, but we know what he can provide offensively, not even just the the average three point shooting, but a post presence, a passer, some of those different things he could do on the floor. And Cody Zeller would just be that veteran center that just does all the small things, sets good picks, rolls to the rim, rebounds. Very, very basic. But sometimes as a backup center, that's all you really want is just somebody who's going to do their job and be okay not playing 20 games. As I alluded to, Nick, maybe the Nets have their you know, proxy center in Ben Simmons, given you know you alluded to rebounding. Ben Simmons, great rebounder. Athlete, can run the fast break you know, in some of his pick-and-roll stuff. You know, there's some some good articles. So I was looking into some of the stuff, and a lot of you know Dave Yeager, back when you know he, he was with Philadelphia and Ben Simmons was there, he was talking about Simmons as a screener in the pick-and-roll and rolling. It allows him to get downhill, and I'm like, it's really intriguing, and it's just essentially... When do you need a center in today's NBA? Well, you need a problem when you're going against Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. That's probably it. I can't yeah. think of at any other time where the center is so overwhelming. You know, Ben would do okay on a Giannis. Ben would do okay on a Bam at a bio. So it's essentially like uh, if the Nets happen to, you know, and, and the, the Sixers happen to be, and, and the Denver Nuggets are like well, at the top of the, the West, maybe you have to think about it to, more towards the deadline and get that Cody Zeller type if those guys are, are still around just to have for five, 10 minutes. But then we also saw Clax do pretty well on yeah. Joel Embiid last, post, last season as well. So I think that the reports we're getting of Ben Simmons at the five do intrigue me. Uh, I also do think that 
I have some reservations about the fact that he's only doing three on three work, which came from Sham Sarania as well. But him as a center was pretty positive in his Philadelphia tenure when Joel Embiid went out. You know, he was dominating. He was getting a couple of blocks here and there as well. Because if it's against the right matchup, I think you can play Ben. And maybe Clax is your backup center. Yeah. And I think that that probably is a scenario that works better. And you just have a heap of spacing around him, whether it's Melo, Markeith, Morris. And because both of those, uh, Melo especially, I think, is a, is a good three-point shooter. Let me double, double check what he shot last season. 37.5% from three last year and 40.9% the year before that. So maybe just get Melo in and just space the hell out of it. Because Melo's a pretty good rebounder too. Um, well, and I, I think, think you could use Melo on some backup centers, you know, because he yeah. does have some, you know, like, girth to him so it's not like he he's going to get bounced around and i think that's the intriguing idea of having all these forwards with ben because then ben's quote-unquote playing center but in certain matchups he's not or they're rotating because they have a lot of guys with similar body types on the floor and then the great thing about ben at the five or playing in that those type of lineups is the nets automatically have a mismatch on the other end of the floor you know they have an area where they can instantly kind of attack or force the other team to make a tough decision exactly and and that's where you know i just I, I like the That's idea. That's what the Nets were missing last season a lot. Exactly. Ben Simmons is the missing piece in, in a lot of forms and fashions, defensively, offensively. It's just going to be. I, I guess while I take a look at some of the articles that I put in there, Nick, is I just need to rehash some of the stats, get them fresh in my mind. Are you worried about the fact that Ben Simmons is still only doing three on three work, even though we have heard he's going to be okay by training camp in the next month or so? You know, I'm not too concerned. I think there's no reason to really push it if you don't have to, especially if it's not like in a team-controlled environment. You know, if he's scrimmaging against other NBA players, they don't have to technically go easy on him. So, you know, why not kind of play it safe? If we get, you know, to training camp and he can't participate in all the drills, then I think that worry meter starts to really, really pick up. No, definitely. And just looking at some of the stuff, some of the videos that other uh, really good reporters have been doing on Ben Simmons, you know, if you can imagine a Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons pick and roll, that'd yep. be absolutely deadly. That was like one of the first things I tweeted when the trade happened, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. And then Seth Curry and Ben Simmons are obviously a, a lethal combo. I've put out stats about that in the past. But to finish off with Nick, we've heard some Donovan Mitchell rumors have been increasing a little bit. And he is listed, at least according to a pretty a close source to, to Utah when it comes to their reporting, that the three teams he would want to go to if if he were to be traded would be Brooklyn, New York, or the Miami Heat. Nick, I'm going to end with a, a bit of a cliffhanger for those that have been sticking around with us. Donovan Mitchell or Ben Simmons? Yeah, I think you want to stick with Ben Simmons in this situation right now. Obviously, his value is not super high. Even if you want to talk yourself into Donovan Mitchell, the Nets would probably have to give up more things where you'd rather use those pieces to upgrade other areas. And I think Ben could be the perfect, you know, final piece for this team or that final third star to complement them. You know, the issues with Donovan Mitchell, he's a great scorer and the Nets would be lethal offensively, but a backward of Kyrie and Donovan Mitchell would get cooked on a regular basis and that would make it pretty difficult to win a championship. Yeah, it's weird. A lot of people say about you know Donovan Mitchell's wingspan and, and the fact that he has all the tangibles and the tools there and he was decent in college or he wasn't, I don't know, but like he's got all the tools to be an okay defender. He's never been able to put it all together. So I think that because the Sixers, uh, the, sorry, not the Sixers, the Jazz look less likely to make this trade. If Ben Simmons doesn't fit so well and Kevin Rand doesn't want him and Kyrie Irving doesn't want him, then maybe this trade could still be available in December, in January. Yeah. And you, you throw in a 
Paddy Mills or Seth Curry or whoever else and you know a, a first or whatever it might, it might be that the rights to to swap sort or something like that so something to keep an eye on because I just think that the fact that Donovan Mitchell listed the Brooklyn Nets in that something to know yeah I think it's a bigger I think that's the biggest deal of the entire thing is the Nets are still generating some level of buzz even with so much up in the air obviously Kyrie and Katie are still on the team but you'd assume Donovan was open to coming to Brooklyn for the last couple of weeks or months, you know, given not his trade request, but the idea he was going to be traded. So, you know, it's a positive thing. So, you know, the world is not ending in, in Brooklyn. Thank God. Let's wrap this one up, Nate. Yeah. Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks to everybody for listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.